0: Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show, Better Than Before, an hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins-Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins-Michael.
1: everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show, Better Than Before on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. And now, as always, here's my irresistible and irreplaceable producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm good. So we have a great show today, so let's get started so we don't run out of time. After the break, we're going to meet Sarah Heiner, who's the president and CEO of Bottom Line Publications, which is a publishing company that uh, has a subscription of some of its newsletters of almost a half a million subscribers, and they make our lives easier by giving us really great health and wellness tips. So we're going to meet Sarah Heiner right after the break, but first... It is my pleasure, my honor, in fact, to introduce you all to Dr. Michael Royzen. and I'm a very big fan of his work. In fact, I'm just reading his latest book, This Is Your Do-Over, The Secrets to Losing Weight, Living Longer, and Getting a Second Chance at the Life You Want. It is right in front of me now. Um, and if I mentioned all of Dr. Royzen's accomplishments in his intro, it probably would take up the next five shows. So here they are in a nutshell in a raw almonds, please, nutshell. Uh, He is a four-time number one New York Times bestselling author and co-founder and originator of the popular RealAge.com website. He is chief wellness officer and chair of the Wellness Institute of the renowned Cleveland Clinic, and he's also the chief medical consultant to The Dr. Oz Show. And Dr. Oz actually wrote the foreword to the book that I am currently reading. So welcome to the show, Dr. Royce, and thank you so much for being with us.
2: Jane, it's a privilege to be on your show. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. You know, Doctor, what impresses me the most about what you do, I mean, basically everything. However, um, you know, things today are so hard to process um, because they come at us from all angles. And you make it so easy for your patients. And to my point, at the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute, no matter what diseases or bad habits your patients are struggling with, you teach them some very, very simple lifestyle changes. Changes that are doable. Changes that we all should do in our lives to make them better than before. So... Speaking just of nutrition, Dr. Roizen, which is something very important to you, we talked about this briefly when, when I did meet you a couple of weeks ago, a new survey of more than 3,000 American consumers by DSM, which is a nutritional products, uh, DSM Nutritional Products, which is a leading provider of nutritional solutions, shows that consumers are extremely confident about their diet and, you know, Essential nutrient intake, if you will, but the reality of their health tells a very different story. And the first question I asked you when we met was, "Why, with everything we know or should know, are we such an unhealthy country?"
2: Well, what it I, I guess it's a it's a interesting question. Why we're so unhealthy with what we know so much. Let me go and summarize one of the things we know that is really, really important, and that is that if you do what we call six behaviors or get to five normals, and we incentivize the Cleveland Clinic employees and their families to do this, that if you do this, you reduce your risk of a chronic disease or illness before over the next 20 to 30 years. It's only been looked at for 30 years. It probably is longer than that by 80 to 90 percent. 95 to 97 percent of Americans on entering Medicare enter with an undertreated or untreated chronic disease. So if you look at the the, the five we go for, blood pressure, LDL cholesterol, fat, uh, weight for height or waist for height, um, cotinine in the urine, and um, I'm obviously missing one, I said blood pressure, fasting, uh, blood sugar, or hemoglobin A1C, LDL, cholesterol, cotinine mm-hmm. in the urine, and waist for height. There are the five outcomes. Right. If you have normals in those, or relatively normal, with or without medication, you are more than 80% likely to not develop one of the chronic diseases that 90, let's just say 96% of Americans develop by age 65. So we know that it's pretty easy to do this and to get there. And you say, why do so few of us do it? Because Mm -hmm. I think we ignore to a large degree those healthy choices that get us there and say, well, I can do this, I can do that, or I don't have to exercise, or I don't have to walk. Uh, and, and say it's much easier to do the short-term thing and not do something that is really quite easy to do that gives you a long-term benefit. Right. So I think well, it is just we ignore the, the ease of doing it.
1: Well, I think, and I love what you wrote in your book, we simply have two choices each day. Make excuses or make something happen. The choice is yours. And <clears throat> one of the things that you do recommend is that we stop killing ourselves with a knife and fork. And I assume that Oreos and Cheetos, even though you can eat them with your fingers, are in that category as well. <laughs> so food is yes, very and, important. And, in
2: fact, that's, the interesting thing is, is you're right. In that nutrition survey that we spoke about, the Better Nutrition Survey,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, most people thought they ate healthy when, in fact, analysis and looking at their diet, they didn't. So they have a misperception of how healthy they think they're eating, and that's um, one of the things. They, I don't think we fool ourselves as much on physical activity because, if you will, 50% of Americans say um, they get less than 10 minutes of physical activity, including walking to and from their car any day. So I think we fool ourselves less on that, but I think we still fool ourselves a great deal. And um, one of those things is food. I'll, I'll give you just um, the, the data from the, uh, this story on the, the Better Nutrition survey. Um, it looked at it um, 3,000 adults. Um, only 10% got the recommended amount of essential nutrients, yet 57% believe they do. Yeah,
1: so it's 60, a big disconnect, right?
2: Well, huge. I mean, if you will, and and that's one of the reasons that the survey was sponsored by a one of the leading companies that makes a number that supplies a number of the raw ingredients for multivitamins, Um, and so you can say, well, this was. But but in fact, these were people who just weren't getting the essential nutrients they need. Sixty-one percent of people believe they were eating a health-promoting diet. Yet only twenty nine percent came anywhere close to eating a diet that would promote health. So they're kidding
1: themselves. (laughs) What? They're kidding themselves into thinking they eat well so they don't have to change. I mean that's part of making the excuse. Oh, I eat fine, so why would I change, you know. So that's 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 the sad part. Well they thought
2: the interesting thing is most thought that their partners or other people they ate with weren't eating healthy, but they failed to look at their own plates very carefully. So in fact, um, if you will, the the shortfalls in essential nutrients that all of us get are pretty considerable. If you look at just vitamin D, magnesium and potassium, it it is something over the order in in the National Health and Nutrition Study, as well as in this one, 93% of Americans had blood levels of those that were judged to be inadequate.
1: Wow, that's that's a that's a huge amount. Now, Doctor, um, how significantly do these nutritional shortfalls play into the health problems that you see on a daily basis at your clinic?
2: Well, if you will, the the one of the easiest to to think about is vitamin D. So, vitamin D is not only important for Uh, absorption of calcium and making your bones stronger but plays into mental health and plays into um, your cardiovascular well-being. We know people who have a low vitamin D level who undergo surgery have about a 40% increase in complication rates to those who have a normal level. We also know that if they have a stay in the intensive care unit, if you have a low vitamin D level, you don't do as well as if you have a normal level. You, you in fact, stay. You almost double your time that you need in the intensive care unit. So getting these in the normal range before an illness is important, and since many illnesses, we don't know when those are going to occur, it's probably important for us to do it all the time so if you if you will, people often ask me what I do. I take um half of a multivitamin in the morning and half in the evening as an insurance policy against a inadequate diet um, and I probably eat as as healthy as just about anyone um, but it still is that if you probably looked at my nutrient base and I wasn't taking a multivitamin I'd be short of vitamin D or magnesium. It's it's not easy to get those, or even some of the other um, things in multivitamins.
1: I was going to say, Doctor, you have the best skin of any doctor I've ever met. Seriously, man <laughs> or man or woman, I was noticing your skin. It's just glowing. It's very, it's oh, wonderful. Oh, you're really <laughs>
2: nice. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, now you uh, speaking of of food well let's just one more thought about vitamin d do you think that um, the the fact that we wear so much sunblock does that block the natural vitamin d that we had gotten years ago and thought nothing of it i mean sunblock is yeah well
2: we we you know we had gotten you get vitamin d from the sun as you said and from it converts your inactive vitamin d in your skin to active vitamin D, and that's a major source. You only need about 10 minutes of sun a day if you live north of the line between Atlanta and Los Angeles, Um, and the reason I draw that line is because from October 15th to April 15th, even if you... Live, if you live north of that, and even if you're out in the sun all day, it doesn't have enough energy to convert inactive to active vitamin D. So if you look in large surveys in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Minneapolis and Boston and in New York, in the, in the period of around February, where we're probably at our lowest from being the energy of the sun giving us um, active vitamin D, it's, there isn't a study that doesn't show over 60% of us don't have, um, are, aren't short of vitamin D. That is, more than 60% of us in every one of the studies in those cities are short of vitamin D and even a level that is what, what you would call the minimum level for bone health, which isn't the optimal level for overall health.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It's such a simple test, too, to know your vitamin D level. I think most people are becoming more and more aware, thanks to doctors like you, who are telling us that we should be checking that. But I think what happens with, especially with, with I know, I'm not saying all Americans in general, but, you know, if they can take it through a pill, they'd almost prefer to do that rather than eating, um, and they drink a lot of milk or they eat cheese, is that the calcium? Is that calcium, vitamin D? Is that something that we should be eating more of well, or you don't believe in that?
2: Most, most cheese is not fortified, but most milk is fortified with vitamin D. So vitamin D, whether you take it in a pill or whether you take it in milk, is probably the same thing. That is, the dairy adds it to the milk, um, not the cow. But if you're going to try and get – remember, we we now find that most people over the age of 50 need between 1,000 and 3,000 international units a day. Just to get the lower number of that, 1,000, would mean you'd have to drink 10 glasses of milk a day. I was going to say, that's a lot of of
1: milk. (laughs) I can eat that much cheese, though. Most of us
2: don't do that. Now, as for calcium, you do get that from milk or cheese. Um, but even better from leafy green vegetables. One of the best foods, as you know, for health is salmon. I have no vested interest in any salmon uh, farm or farmer or um, fisherman that I know of. But in fact, it, uh, the wild salmon has um, around 400 international units per four ounce serving, sometimes more. Um, and that also has calcium in it as well as. The DHA omega 3, which is good for your brain and eyes um, and joints. So, DHA is the omega 3 you want for your brain function, um, and you want 900 milligrams a day because it's fat soluble. You don't need it every day like a multivitamin and the water soluble vitamins. But with the fat soluble uh, DHA, you need about um, three six ounce portions of salmon a week to get the adequate amounts, and most of us don't get adequate amounts of of DHA, which is necessary for our nerve function, as well as um, we're short of a couple other uh, things. And it's especially, you know, if you're going to say, who is it most important for? It's most important for women and men before they get pregnant. Um, For the three months before pregnancy, if you get a multivitamin, with DHA, you decrease the risk of autism by 40%. And of all congenital defects, assuming the woman continues it through pregnancy, by about 80%. So if you're going to say, who's the, the one, one group in America we should absolutely have the uh, multivitamin with DHA for um, before pregnancy, it is uh, the, the potentially pregnant females.
1: Now, I was reading also there's some media coverage of a new study that find found that the not only DHA but EPA were associated with 20% decreased mortality risk for both men and, and women. So is that the EPA, is that separate than the DHA for people who don't yeah, they, know either?
2: Yeah, there are three omega-3s, uh, and I don't know if you want to go into this, but um, Jane, the three are ALA, which... Uh, 2% of ALA goes to EPA and 2% of of, uh, EPA goes to DHA in your body. You want the, as we said, the DHA for your brain and eyes and joints. It back converts to to EPA. Mm -hmm. ALA seems to have separate benefit for your heart. It's found in walnuts and flaxseed and chia seeds and canola oil and avocados. Um, and a number of of plant-based foods have ALA as an omega-3. So there are three omega-3s, and uh, the good news is if you get ALA and uh, DHA, they back-convert to EPA, but uh, EPA, DHA, and ALA are are all separate and seem to have benefits that are um, in addition to each other.
1: Now, when you mention the wild salmon, the problem is, and of course here in New York City, everything is wild. You walk in, or so, I mean, obviously it isn't, but you'd walk into a fish store and they'll have wild tilapia. Now, we all know tilapia is farmed, so it just means to say that, you know, nothing is wild that they're offering, but they say everything is because that's what they think they should be saying. How do you know that it's wild? I mean, is it the only the wild salmon or is it farm salmon that gives you those uh, omega-3s as well?
2: Um. Farm salmon does as well. Now, the salmon so far and ocean trout so far have not learned to eat corn and soy meal, which is what they feed tilapia. And so, tilapia is basically chicken without legs, so oh. it does not have fish oils at all in it. Um, and let me tell you, the interesting thing is, the USDA and FDA did DNA testing on 30 samples of salmon a month or I think it was, they do it every every month, but they, the one that was published was the data from 2012. And if you look at that data, 97% of the farm-raised salmon in the month, in this month of June, July, and August, the first half of August, 97% of farm-raised is wild by DNA typing. Conversely, of wild salmon outside the first half of August through uh, June about 10th. That is outside of the time of the Alaska salmon run. Um, All of that that is sold as wild, including at the best fish stores and the best markets and the best restaurants, is in fact farm-raised. So what you're getting, no matter what you pay for, it, um, is what is most plentiful at. by, uh, um, I guess, harvesting, whether from farms in August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, and the first part of June, or whether it's the overage of the Alaska salmon run in June, July, and August. Now, those, were, those are data from the United States, not from obviously other countries, so it may be different in other countries, but at least in the United States, uh, you get wild for whatever you buy in those months and you get in the during the Alaska uh, salmon run and you get uh, farm-raised every other month.
1: Right. Also, but the canned salmon is usually wild, right? If you soak the salt out, I found that you can always know that they're not going to – I would think it's wild. <laughs> Are you listening, Bumblebee? Um, Are you wild?
2: Most – Yes, most salmon burgers and most canned salmon is exactly that. It is wild um, because it is from the overage of the salmon run. Now, the first time the salmon run ran short of supplying all the frozen burgers. So there were three or four months without frozen burgers this year. Um, and they had to be uh, farm-raised, um, Was the uh, this was the first year I can never remember that you couldn't get uh, the frozen burgers from the Alaska Salmon Run. I don't know what the problem was, but they're back in stores now again.
1: Oh, okay. That's good. That is good to know. So I will be seeking the the frozen burger. I usually get, when I go to Whole Foods, I get like packs of frozen salmon. So I, I just, I'm hoping that the frozen is at least from some run that's actually authentically wild. <laughs> now that you tell me yeah, that, most I of the, check the date. Most day.
2: of the frozen, especially in the months of uh, August, September, and October, is exactly that wild. It's
1: wild, yeah. So, Doctor, in your book, you talk about the five felons, which are saturated fats, trans fats, simple sugars, simple carbohydrates, and added syrups. And back to your point about consumers not knowing what they're – you know, they're thinking they have a great diet. Every time you go into a a coffee store, let's say, you know, it rhymes with Arbucks, and it (laughs) – appropriately – uh, and they put sugars, you know, you have a latte with vanilla. And they don't realize it, but those are the sugars that you're talking about. Those are the felons, like these sneaky little things that you don't realize that you're eating and saturating your body with are there. And I think that's probably what accounts for a lot of the disconnect. So can you talk briefly about the, 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 the felons in our diet?
2: Yeah, the, um, what causes something to be unhealthy for you is it either changes the way your genes function, the way your proteins function, or what you actually absorb. So the reason that red meat or egg yolks are bad is that they change the bacteria inside your gut. You have a 100 or trillion or so bacteria inside your gut. They outnumber your cells 10 to 1. But those bacteria take... Egg yolks, the the uh, lecithin and choline, and they take the carnitine in red meat, and turn that into um, what we call uh, trimethylamine, and that or butylbutane, and that gets absorbed by you, and the butylbutane leads to kidney failure over a long period of time, twenty or thirty years of it, but it is kidney failure, and the. Uh, Trimethylamine gets metabolized in your liver, trimethylamine oxide and causes inflammation which causes aging of your arteries as well as it blocks your immune system from reacting normally to cancers as well as it breaks down the barrier between your blood and your brain allowing inflammatory things to get into your brain which leads to mental dysfunction. So, of all the foods we know, you'd say the ones with the long-term hazards are those associated with saturated fats, such as red meat, processed meat, egg yolks. The one—it's not a cholesterol effect; it's a change in your bacteria that causes and that causes inflammation in your body. And one of the areas of hottest research is how you could have your steak and eat it too, if you will the prediction is sometime in the next two to four years we'll have something that prevents the change in that bacteria uh, the change in that bacteria by the way occurs within two weeks so if you stop eating red meat and things with carnitine, less and choline within two weeks your bacteria changes to not produce those things the other major group of foods that we have that causes changes in our genes and our proteins are simple sugars, what you might call stripped carbs, carbohydrates stripped of their fiber and their bran, so that those get absorbed quickly and raise your blood sugar level. And it appears your blood sugar level is important at what we call glycosylating your protein, putting an extra sugar on your protein. So hemoglobin A1C, which is just the uh, a way we measure diabetics but it is, in fact, a normal hemoglobin which releases oxygen with a sugar at the A1C position, which inhibits it from normally releasing oxygen. So you don't get as good oxygen release if you have a high A1C, and we think that's related to venous ulcers and a lot of the problems diabetics get that lead to amputations and eye problems. So, in fact, um, keeping, but for all of us, they change the protein structure of a number of other proteins, including that hemoglobin, which leads us to less function well. So we say the five food phones: those things with saturated fat, those things with simple sugars, in addition to simple sugars, it's syrups, which are just simple sugars, mm-hmm. and those stripped carbs, carbohydrates without the bran, that get absorbed quickly, and thus raise your blood sugar level. So it's things that raise your blood sugar level and that change the proteins to inflammatory proteins or change your genes to turn on inflammatory genes in your body. And those are those five things. Trans fat, which is just a poison, will be outlawed in three years in the United States, is outlawed in Canada already. So, trans fat. Um, You can see it by partially hydrogenated fats. It's just a a direct poison of receptors. Then there's also the foods with saturated fat, red meat, processed meats, egg yolks are are three of the typical examples. And then simple sugars, added syrups, and any grain that isn't 100% whole grain.
1: Right. Oh, wow. So, you know, doctor, I could spend hours and hours with you. You have to come back because there's so many things we didn't even touch the surface about coronary health and certainly how to raise your kids so they don't eat their, you know, then they go to school and they get fried bologna balls and what do you teach them at home so they can't, that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic which we will hopefully get into. I'd love to have you back. But in, but now we have a couple minutes. Could you leave us with what ideally we should be eating every day in our diets?
2: So, it is It is anything that doesn't have those five food felons are fine. Um, so, I take some helpers, if you will, to make sure I get things because I have a, you know, all of us eat an imperfect diet because we eat too much of one food. I eat a lot of spinach and a lot of green beans. Well, and some colorful vegetables you need to eat, but you need to eat them routinely and plentiful and even when they're not in season. And I don't do that. So I take a half of a multi in the morning and evening. I take uh, 900 milligrams of DHA because it's been shown in randomized controlled trials to help you keep your brain function. I take uh, 2,000 international units of vitamin D2 a day. Why? Because I get my level measured and it's too low if I don't do that. Um, And then 600 milligrams of calcium and 400 milligrams of magnesium. And then I eat a diet that is largely vegetable-based with the exceptions to uh, a vegetarian diet being I have salmon or ocean trout um, as often as I can get it.
1: Chicken do you eat chicken or no?
2: I rarely eat chicken, but I do eat chicken. it's not it's not an it, it's not a no- no. So chicken is very low in saturated fat, so you want fewer feet in your protein. So nuts obviously is a great, and some grains such as quinoa are great proteins. They have no feet. Um, salmon and ocean trout don't have feet. Uh, Chicken have two feet, so less desirable, but still relatively healthy, especially if you avoid the skin. And then four-legged animals of all kinds have uh, carnitine, which, uh, which raises your inflammation level. So I haven't had a piece of red meat that I knowingly ate since 1993.
1: Whatever you do, you do right because you have the best, as I said, you have the best skin. I'm still remembering your skin, doctor, and I'm a beauty expert, so I look at stuff like that. Anyway, uh, but that's interesting. You know, I've heard of, you know, vegans that they don't eat anything with a face or eyes or parents, but I never heard of the feet, and that's interesting to know. So I, I will add that, nothing with feet, and then uh, do, what, do, what you, do what you do, and, and we'll all look better than before look and feel better than before doctor thank you so much for being with us i'd love to have you come back there's so much that we have left to talk about And you know anytime please come back and and we'll 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 finish we won't even finish in one more show it has to be a whole series with dr michael Royson. where can our listeners uh find you at cleveland clinic and then realage.com how do we find you
2: uh, the easiest way, obviously, I'm on clevelandclinic.org slash wellness or clevelandclinic.com slash wellness. Um, so Cleveland Clinic wellness is where you want to go for me and the other places if you go if you want to see something in the book because it is about uh, being better than before if you will it is uh, this is your do-over and everyone can get a do-over so we probably should have called it better than before because that's a great name you have Jane. Hey that's mine. If you you want to find if you want to find a book um, that talks about this is your do-over and uh, what I think you should eat and to both keep well and to reverse chronic disease it is um uh sharecare s-h-a-r-e dot com slash buddy or realage.com they're both the same site sharecare.com slash buddy or realage.com
1: sure well thank you so my new my new book is long live you so i think we're both on we're both on the same page here doctor thank you so much for being with us thank you Thank you. Thank you again. And everyone, stay with us. After this quick break, we're going to come back talking to Sarah Heiner. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show better than before on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be back.
4: As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world, Jane's new book will help you look years younger, and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order *Long Live You*, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before, at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com, where it's available for delivery or as an ebook. Or go to Jane's website, JaneWilkinsMichael.com. Now back to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show.
0: Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins-Michael Show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins-Michael and better than before.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I am on the air live. I'm here with Lori, and now it is my great pleasure to welcome Sarah Heiner. Sarah is president and CEO of Bottom Line Publications, which is a 43-year-old privately held publishing company that provides its readers with easy-to-understand, easy-to-read, and most importantly, easy-to-follow information to help them live happier lives, lives that are better than before. And among their many products is Bottom Line Personal, which is the largest general information consumer newsletter on the planet. With almost a half a million readers, I am one of them. And I've gotten to know Sarah over the last few weeks, and she really has impressed me with her knowledge of all things health, beauty, and well-being. And she's very much an example of all that she features in her newsletters. I know this is radio, and you can't see her, but take it from me, a beauty expert, she is. And if you go to bottomlinepersonal.com, you can see her yourself. But you have to wait till after the show. Welcome to the show, Sarah. <laughs> thank you so much for thank being you, with us. You are way too
3: kind, but thank you. It's so great to be here.
1: Now, Sarah, you are a believer, as am I, that people have more control over their lives than they realize. And what you've done in your newsletters is you provide them with the tools and the information and the answers to help them have a life, have the life that they want rather than feeling like victims. And, and my favorite expression is, and I've told you this before first time a victim, second time a volunteer. And we just had Dic- uh, Dr. Michael Warizen Ro- Ro- on the show in the first segment, and he said that we have two choices each day make excuses or make something happen. And the choice is ours. Why do some of us continue to be victims when we have other options?
3: Uh, you know what? It's so. And really, bottom line is all about helping people, you know, know understand that they do have more control over their lives and more importantly, to give them tools and information. Because why, why do people say victims Because they don't know what to do. I think that they just really don't know where to turn. They don't have the information. They try to call the doctor and they can't get through. They, they really want a different job. They get stuck. They really want to change their the marriages. And I think that they really just don't know the steps to take. So like in your book where it's, you know, one step at a time, one rung at a time, I really think that, that making change and making a difference in your life is truly, it's, it's the little thing. You know, I think people get caught, um, you know, you talk to people that say they, they failed at diets. And I think it's because they overwhelm themselves. They, they, they aim too far and they don't realize that they have so many victories on a day to day basis that they can make just one step, one change, one decision, including let's have healthier breakfast than, you know, no donut today, you know, no less caffeine today, whatever it is.
1: Right. Those are the small steps. And they're doable. I think people feel like they have to lose 20 pounds, you know, thinner by dinner. Well, that's not going to happen. You know, if you just think about it and we've said this on the show and I say it in my book, you know, one pound a month, is not that much to lose or gain, but it adds up. So you could be 12 pounds heavier or, or thinner after a year, and you just keep adding up the 12 pounds, and that, that's a lot. And then you wonder, how, I, how did I ever get like this? And then it's, not, it's easy to gain one pound a month. Well, and, it, as it, you know, as I said, it's easy to lose it, too. It's not that much. So um, you're right. Well, that's so true. I mean,
3: you know, the thing is that it is also easier to complain and, and play victim than it is to really make a difference. So dieting is hard. Making a change in your in your favorite foods is hard. I worked I, I worked with an executive coach for many years, so I'm, I'm a well coached human. Um, I didn't just naturally get this healthy. Um, but she had a great line which I just loved. You know, when people say, Oh, I can't help it. I I have to eat my ice cream or I have to have that that donut, and she says, You know, it's your hand on the donut. No one's forcing you. No one's standing over you taking your hand, forcing it into that plate, and then shoving it in your mouth. You have a choice at every step of the way. So it's a question of what choices do you want to make.
1: I went to a nutritionist once, I'll never forget. He goes, honey, don't even eat that bagel. Just stick it right on your thighs because that's where it's going to end up anyway. <laughs> don't, bother to, don't bother to don't swallow it. Right. And he also had the greatest light ever, Sarah. He said, um, honey, we don't eat Italian. We wear Italian. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
3: Well, that's true, too. But now let me tell you this, too, because, again, I love ice cream. People say to me, to this day, what's my favorite food? A hot french sundae and pizza. No joke. I have the appetite of a 12-year-old boy. But I eat like a grown-up. Like, I really do eat healthy foods and protein and vegetables and all that sort of stuff. And what helped me change was that I realized – I mean, I, I realized how – bad I felt when I stopped eating sugar and I thought I was a total sugar addict. I was a child of the 60s so grew up on fruit Loops and Pop-Tarts and you name the crap, I ate it. And so I lived on that stuff. And then when I, I, for, I was forced to stop doing it because I'd had some hives, I had some health challenges. Everybody, you know, something happens in your life and then often you're forced to change. And until you're confronted with an, a challenge, like you have a heart attack and suddenly you have a change. Mm-hmm. So I had hives and suddenly I had a change. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm never, ever going to be able to um, to stop eating sugar. And then I stopped eating it, and I realized how bad I felt when I did eat it and how good I felt when I ate real food. So when I took away the, oh, gosh, that tastes good and realized the impact it was having on me, and I could feel it, it wasn't like down the road I will get cancer. It was right away, if I eat a piece of chocolate cake, I feel crappy that it helped me see and be able to make those choices shorter. It made it much easier.
1: It made it easier because you actually had, you, you had highs that you had to deal with. A lot of people don't have that well, and they just don't feel well. And I think that's sort of what they feel like. I don't think people really know what it is like to feel really good. So if they don't, they feel, I, hey, that's kind of normal. That's how we're supposed to feel. And it's not, I you know, they don't know the I difference.
3: Agree I agree with you. I had a parent, had a, a, a neighbor one time she had two young boys and they were fairly rambunctious boys and I would watch her give these little boys colas sugared, you know soft drinks I don't want to name any brands but it doesn't matter but I'd watch her give them sodas give them treats all sorts of candies and stuff and then she'd complain about the behavior and I said something at one point about the sugar that they were consuming she said oh no it doesn't affect them well how would you know you've never seen them off of it so I agree I think people don't know what it feels like to feel good I don't think they know what that feels like to be happy because we're so busy living in our complaints. And frankly, you know, the news media, the messaging all around it, we're really in the phase of of victimization and blame someone. Somebody stepping on your toes, somebody politically incorrect, somebody's, you know, whatever is offensive. And I think we'd all be a lot happier if we stop worrying about who's to blame in our lives and just focus on having the best day that you can and making you and the people around you feel
1: great. Right. You, make that, that you make that choice. I mean, if you if you can wake up and say it's going to be a great day or you can wake up and say, I really don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> it's going to be such a horrible day. And it becomes almost self-fulfilling, I think. you It's sort of self-talk that you, you've you already worked yourself up into the fact that it's going to be awful and, and that the, everything else just sort of goes downhill from there. So it's all about being well, a little more will, positive, you know?
3: It well, it's not as simple as just going, oh, I want to be positive. Like it really right. has to be living... Um, Living in the in the the big picture of that you really want to have a good day, that so you really want your marriage to be happy. Someone, uh, you and I were talking the other day about marriages, and um, one of the simplest things that I find that I make sure my husband every single day, no matter what, that I thank him and he knows I love him. It's so simple, just a little bit of attention. Whatever he does, I thank him for it, and I just tell him how much I appreciate him and love him. Every single day doesn't take a lot. But he knows and feels safe, and then he's so much more open and communicative. And how many times, how many guests have you had, how many of your friends that complain about their husbands don't talk to them, they don't look at them. But if you take a moment and you look at somebody and you say, God, you're great. I'm so glad you're in my life. It makes a huge difference. It's a simple thing, seems silly, but it's huge.
1: My husband's going to listen to this show, Sarah, and he's going to say, see, Sarah said that, and you better just be grateful and thank me. But that's true. <laughs> you should be a little more grateful. And, and I always say that if we concentrate on what we don't have, we'll never have enough. You know, it's always what more, what more. And sometimes you have to just sit back and say, you know what, things are pretty good you know, and they're okay. They're okay for the moment. They are they can get better, but right now I'm okay and appreciate just that fact. And, and I think you can go from there. And I, I, you know, I think that's really important to remember that. But, you know, as women, as you know, we are all overworked and overtired, stressed out. We're pushed to our limit. And we have to be the best parent, the best spouse, the best girlfriend, the best partner, the best at our job. And then, of course, on top of that, we were supposed to be taking care of ourselves and then retain our sanity while we're at it. And as Lori will attest, there are times that I am definitely pushed to the limit, and that you know that takes its toll on our health, our energy level, and it's like we're on that Ferris wheel that keeps stuck mm-hmm. going round and round. What I think it's that little the thing that the little hamsters go on the little hamster wheel. <laughs> it's hard to get uh-huh. off. So where it's do you hard. where do you start for all these women out there that are so confused and you know where where do you begin to take that first step?
3: Um, I think. The first thing that you do, because I really thought about this when when you said we were going to talk about it. like The first thing you have to do is realize that you're a person too. Now, these people, you get married and you lose yourself and you suddenly think you're now a wife. And as a wife, your job is to form your husband, right, or nag or manage him rather than remaining as an individual. And then you have kids and you suddenly think that your kids are an extension of you. And somewhere in the midst of it, people lose themselves. And the first thing that, that I, I do, and it made a huge difference in my life, is that I'm entitled to my moments as well. And sure, I, you know, make sure my kids are fed, my family's fed, and my house is handled, and my job, and the, you know, the soccer team, and the field hockey team, and the dance, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I also, I take my 30 minutes every day, not 25, not 35, but 30 minutes every day to exercise. And my family knows to give me that time because I, I ask for it and I tell them that I need it. And then I also, even early on, um, when the kids were young, I took time. I would come, I was a working mom, so I was gone during the day because we were daycare. And then I would come home. When I came home, I was 100% on them from the minute I walked in the door till the minute they went to bed, which was somewhere between, I'll call it, two and four hours, depending on what time I got home and what time they were going to bed. But I also, early on, came 9 o'clock, I was done with them. It was either their bedtime or as they got older, they were still doing homework or whatever, but now it's back to my time. And that was, A, important for me because I needed to now wind down because I'd worked and then I came home and I was being a mom. And now I needed time for me. And the other important thing it did, which isn't about me so much, it was about my kids and I have two daughters, that it told them as a role model, because I don't forget as a parent you're a role, a role model, Mm -hmm. And it told my kids that as a mother, it's okay for me to take time for me. And as a wife, it's okay for me to take time for me or that for my husband and I to take time together. But whatever it was, I was done with them as well. And they need to also attend to themselves. Um, And I think that was a really important step in my balancing my life.
1: Well, very much so. And and we talked about this also that you can be, you know, even if you're not working and you're home with the children and and you're doing whatever you do and you're not engaged with them, that's like not being there. And how many women stay home all day and they're totally engaged with their children, either they're young or they come home from school, it doesn't work like that. You're there for maybe an hour or two that you really focus. And if you give yourself that hour and you focus on them, that's 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 a good thing. You know, I mean, that's important. It is.
3: And I think think also, don't forget, it's not, it's not a hundred percent focused on the kids or checked out on the kids. They need both. Mm -hmm. They need focus and they need time to solve their own problems. They need time to be on their own. They need time to entertain themselves. And I don't mean in front of a screen that, you know, in our highly programmed go from activity to activity, parents feeling obliged to manage to solve problems to step in with every single disagreement that occurs on the schoolyard, we're taking away our children's ability not only to solve their problems, but to develop esteem. Because what that says to the kid, if I'm in their face constantly, is you don't trust me. And then it lowers their esteem. It makes them, why do we have depression problems? There's a whole interesting um, discussion and science about What's behind depression and inability to solve problems or a feeling of helplessness? Back to the start of our conversation about that we all have more power over our lives. Mm-hmm. We have a depression epidemic. I'll call it a depression epidemic in this country, right? Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is this this inability to take control. And as parents, we want to be there for the kids, but you want to give them enough room. If they fall down and skin their knee, let them get up. Don't coddle them. Like let them let them you know, give them attention when they need it, but also let them grow and try and test and take and play outside. And it's okay.
1: I remember Sarah, when my first son was born, I took a um when he was sleeping, I took a um Dental mirror, and I, I wanted to make sure he was breathing, and then I, you mm-hmm. know if cloud it clouded up when it during the night, and though know, he was okay, he was breathing. Then the yeah. second son, it was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a couple hours, you know, and I don't have to check every hour. But by the time my daughter was born, ten years later, it was like, well, I'm going to go out, close the door. By tomorrow morning, <laughs> I'll, right? I'll check. I'm, sure, I'm you sure anyway. she'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> right. So I think you learn, you know, it's always a teachable moment. I think the more comfortable you get, you learn. And I think we also, as, as women, and, and I'm, I'm sure you find this true as well, we feel guilty about something. You know, if we work, we feel guilty that we're not home. If we're home, we feel guilty we're not working, you know. And there's always something you feel like you should be doing it's and you haven't done, right?
3: That is true. That is forever. There's always, there's, there's and my kids actually call me on it now. It's really funny But so my daughters are 21 and 18. And they they actually now look at me and say, stop pushing yourself so hard because they see the perennial guilt. So, you know, um, I've learned a lot. I know a lot. But, you know, as humans, we're all constantly, constantly making mistakes and we're all constantly feeling guilty. We're constantly, you know, trying but not quite doing what we wanted to do. And that's okay, too. I laugh at them when they criticize me. I go, that's great. I'm a perfect human which means I'm going to make mistakes, right? it's hey, I think it's you're a okay.
1: perfect hey. human, Sarah. I think but, you're the perfect woman, so there. But we are separated you. at birth, so maybe are We are, we are. That we did There's an ulterior them. motive just, for my saying that, right? It's <laughs> true.
3: We are separated at birth. But I think that everybody's a perfect human, and we need to cut ourselves good slack, right? It's okay. Exactly. Like, sometimes I'm going to make a mistake. Sometimes I'm not going to dress right. Sometimes I'm going to look crappy. Sometimes, like... It happens. That's life, and that's okay. So, but I think, so let's start talking about a different element. We take ourselves so seriously. You yeah? know? It's okay. Okay, guess what? Uh oh, you know, my skirt's too short. You're seeing my slip. Ha ha. Oh, well, sorry. Like, big deal. But, you know, the teenagers and our kids, everything's under a microscope. And they are, they are so sensitive to everything. And someone we need to help our kids understand, it's okay. Right? And for ourselves, give ourselves slack. It's okay. I burned the dinner. All right. Well, guess what? At least I tried. But you're getting
1: something. <laughs> you can't dwell. You have to kind of get over it. You know, it's just move on. That's really the, the message. You can't because what, you what bothers you now isn't going to bother you a month from now. You're going to look back and say, I can't believe I worried so much about that. You have to let it go. We all have bad days. We all have days that we just, you know, we're, we're just second guessing everything we do. But let it go. We make mistakes, as you said. That's, and so that's
3: right, I, I make this, but that's how you learn. So the question is actually how you respond to it and how you react to it. So there's a concept of resilience, right? So what do you do when you make a mistake or we have a problem, right? And we teach our kids, if you lose, if you lose a game, you bounce back. You fight again. And I think we forget some of the lessons in our own lives, right? So something doesn't go right at work. Don't go home and drown yourself in alcohol. Go home and go, okay, well, what went wrong? What was my role in it? And maybe, it, maybe you had no role in it whatsoever, and they really were all idiots at the meeting and didn't understand the thing you were saying. But still, you still I always play that game with myself. What could I have done to make things turn out differently? Or what can I do differently tomorrow to be able to have a different outcome? Because again, we're, it's, all, it's all just information. It really is. You know, it's all just, it's just a thought. Louis-Tay, you know, Louise you like Louie Mm-hmm. so one of one of Louise Hay's great lines it's just a thought and a thought can be changed pick a different
1: yeah. thought yeah I do yeah. like that and it's a teachable moment you make a mistake learn from it as I say you, you move on which is which is very very important to know and we can we can yeah. change we can I think people think oh I'll mm-hmm. never change you know I'm at a certain age I'll never change but you can
3: well again I think it's easier to be a victim
4: mm-hmm.
3: I think it's easier to say I'm so addicted to diet coke. I can't not live without it. I have to have dessert every night. There's no way that I can exercise. It just doesn't work for me. Well, if I paid you a million dollars, I'll bet you could figure out a way to manage 10 minutes in your day. Right? So we're just, there's just not enough of an incentive or a reason to, to want to do it or to make that change. Excuses are easy. So like, how did I, I didn't use to exercise every day when I was young but I developed over the last bunch of years a habit. I get up and I exercise and I do it again for 30 minutes because you can do anything for 30 minutes. You know, how much time do you waste in your day puttering around, checking Facebook, you know, rejiggering, you know, rearranging the stuff on the countertop? <laughs> so I get up, fresh and in fact, it takes me 30 minutes from the time I wake up to the time I can actually start exercising because my blood has to get going. I get up, I have a little bit of something to eat, I get some water, I brush my teeth, you know, you just get moving. I spend been 30 minutes, and it's done, and I'm on with my day. And I feel like I've accomplished it, I've got energy for the day, I don't have guilt, and now, you know, it, it has set a pattern in my life, it's just what I do. And there's no question, because it's easy to set those patterns, you just have to be committed to it.
1: And all you have to do is really walk. If you don't like to go on the elliptical, oh, God, no, never. Don't get me near that. <laughs> or spin class. We had a guest on that said that she brings um, there's spin in, in a pool. Uh, my two, like, worst nightmares, spin class and swimming. And now you can do swim class in the pool, which is.
3: Too <laughs> bad make a positive like a double negative.
1: Yeah, I was like, wow, I, I didn't know that existed. I, must, I have to try right. that. Well, maybe yeah. in the pool you're sort of buoyant, so it might, actually it might work. I should really try it in there. But I couldn't believe they took it. It's like my husband, if you gave him like kale and, and chard in the same meal, it was the right. same thing. It's, they're both horrible, and he won't go near them. So. And not salad, dressing, and will be fine. Yeah, exactly, right? right. So let's, but I think um, to your point, everybody, yeah. there is activities. There's all sorts of activities.
3: I used to ballroom dance. And that ballroom dancing is a great activity as you get older um, to be able to move and do something, but it's not so super strenuous, um, and it's lovely, and you feel pretty. And if you go, it's so funny. Everybody feels beautiful when they're ballroom dancing.
1: It's really a lovely activity. I know it. Oh, I, no. I can almost see way. they haven't announced their fall lineup, but I have a feeling you're. <laughs> this is, you're you're telling us you're sort of giving us a hint because you're not allowed to say anything quite yet. But if you did ballroom dancing, that would be where you would be, I'm sure.
3: Oh no, no, far far from. Actually, I gave that up. I did it for a while, and then I was trying to move on to another activity. Um, I think I something. I think I something got in the way of my life. I changed. Change is good. New choices, right? Change, We're allowed sir. to make new choices all the time, too, right? Of course. Which also people don't give themselves permission for.
1: You have to because you can, You kind of get, that's where the little hamster around the wheel comes. You can get bored too. So it's good to kind of broaden everything you do. It is. Different aspects of yeah. your life. now let's
3: well, again, quick, and then back to they get stuck, right? Yeah. They just oh, get, true. You get
1: stuck. And we don't have to be. You get stuck in a in, in a rut. Now, Sarah, I can go on forever with you, and you'll have to come back because there's beauty to talk about, there's nutrition to talk about, there there's just emotional well being, there's everything to talk about. But we only have four minutes left. So I I knew it would go by really really quickly, but I didn't. It, it just seemed to have sped by. But it feels again, like it just got here. I know, right? But you are certainly invited back and and we're going to pick up where we left off. However, for our last few minutes, if you could give us the Sarah Heiner Rules to Live By, what you feel are the greatest lifestyle um, disciplines, as it were, that we can put in our lives that will help make us look and feel just a little better than before, what would they be?
3: You know, it's really funny. I think I talked about a couple, of them, and it and it sounds really boring. I mean, some of it really is. I live a, a simple life. Like I've, I'm honest. I don't lie. If you don't lie, you don't get caught in your lies. It sounds boring, but like it's just as easy. I release the drama. Like we all run around. There's so much, um, so much again stories that we tell ourselves that somebody I mean, you. You watch it. If you watch The Housewives. TV shows or something, like there's all this drama of assuming what other people are thinking or not thinking. You don't realize how much of the chatter in your head is this drama. We're lucid. It. It's okay. You don't just, if you make your simple choices, you know you're doing the right thing. It sounds silly. You live honestly. You really do say please and thank you. It makes, I promise you, ladies, gentlemen, you'll make a huge difference in your marriage if all you do is say please and thank you today and really acknowledge the people that you're, you're with. Um, and you hold yourself accountable. You know, I just I I do what I say I'm going to do. Like it's, I live the most boring life in the world because I don't get caught in drama, and it sounds it sounds really boring. <laughs> and I exercise 30 minutes a day, and I do let myself eat treats on occasion. I, I do have my guilty indulgences. If you eat, if you eat generally healthy food, then you can have your guilty indulgence as a treat, not as a main course. Um. I know this one, but you know, so who are the people that you like, Jane? I mean, the people that are honest, good people, that mm-hmm. are making positive changes.
1: Of course, you've just gone a notch down from perfection because you watch the Housewife show.
3: <laughs> no, you know I you know what The funny thing, I, for some reason, every so often my, I'll turn on the television, I have a TV up, you know, the, the, the DVR kind of thing. And it'll suddenly pick shows. I don't know if it picks it because of whatever my kids have said it to or whatever. So I'll come up, I'll turn on the TV, and it's on. And literally in like 30 seconds of it, I'm already twitching. But I find it fascinating. I do watch all sorts of things because I want to see what the, the world watches. Those things have huge ratings. Like I don't understand The Bachelor. I don't understand so many things in the world. But I watch them because that helps me understand who my audience is and who my, customers, who my readers are. Because I can help them better. If I know what they're absorbing themselves in, then I can help them make choices and help, to help guide them on a path that will hopefully have them happier in their lives, healthier, wealthier, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't watch it because I love it. My favorite thing is to watch the house um, repair TV shows.
1: Oh.
3: <laughs> that, that really is, that really is my, my most choice. My husband likes the glow em up shows and I like the, the
1: uh, house repair show. I like Dancing with the Stars. So look for Sarah Heiner, everyone, to be I on like the Dancing next with Dancing with the Stars, too. Dancing, Dancing with the Stars. I haven't go, <laughs> gone that far as to actually vote on it, but that, that could be next because <laughs> I do have some favorites <laughs> that I get very upset when they don't win. But I have to move on. Uh-huh. I take your advice. I can't dwell. I have to move on if my favorite didn't win, Dancing with the Stars. Sarah Heiner, thank you Sarah, so I'm much for being are. with us. Tell uh, our listeners where we can find you and your newsletters. Okay, so um, you can find
3: me and my newsletters. If you come to com, that is our, our major consumer newsletter. And on that site, you can sign up for our free e-letters. You can subscribe to our print newsletters. You can watch. I've actually done some videos where we've interviewed our experts, um, and we've got a lot of exciting things going on. We have a store there where you can buy things that our experts recommend, which makes your life easier because in, in nutritional supplements in particular, it's very confusing. When you want to take vitamin D, but you don't know which one, but our experts have sorted through that. So, you know, you can trust anything that's on the site to be able to, to be the right uh, quality label, a quality brand and qual- and, and a safe dosing. Um, so bottom line dot com. And Jane, I'm so glad. I do hope you'll have me back on because we are twin sister separated for.
1: We are indeed. And we have so much. We have so we didn't even we didn't even crack the surface here of all the things we have to talk about for our marathon telephone conversations <laughs> in general, right? <laughs> we we had to cut it down, Sarah. We knew we had to do that, but you were great and I appreciate your coming on and thank you so much again for being with us. Everyone, that's our show. Thank you, Lori, as always. I'm very grateful to have Lori. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before.
0: Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins-Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.